I'm Christian Humes. I'm Omar Najam. And you're listening to Watch World. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to this week's Watch World. Unfortunately, John Murphy cannot be with us today, but he is here with his heart and his mind. He did let me know what he thought about the episode, so I will give a, a short rundown of his thoughts. But we have a very special guest returning from the first season of Watch World when we did season two of Westworld, Omar Najam. Hello, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> Uh, the whole world is giving you a pretty good, just stay yeah, home. We, <laughs> we, uh, in our thank you for requesting episode that we recorded this week on Sunday, it was really funny because it was like, you know, it's such a fun, happy show. And so it started off with like, how's it going everyone? And Chris <laughs> and Kelly and Mia were all like, mm, not yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Obviously not good. Nothing, nothing anyone wants to write home about. Exactly. Generally speaking, but exactly. um, you know, hey, we're all we're all lucky to be here and be doing this. Uh, and this is fun. It's kind of like a weird blast from the past because you're back on Westworld's happening again, and yeah. you're and you're you just made an episode of Thank You for Questing. It's it's re really yeah. It's just kind of resetting the clock a little bit for yeah. <laughs> for sci <laughs> stuff. But I'm so happy to be here because I've been watching Westworld obviously since you know it started on TV, and I've been. Thinking about Westworld every single week, every Sunday, I sit for a few hours and meditate every night <laughs> about what could possibly be going on, what happened in the last episode. So this is, I'm just so glad to be able to chat about it. Yeah, this this episode in particular, I think, because last week, not this week, but last week was one of my top favorite episodes of all time for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think this week, this was a more... Uh, divisive episode there are a lot of people who really dig what they did and then there's a lot of people who are kind of on the other end i definitely fall more in the middle there's a lot of stuff i really liked a couple things i wish were executed better um but i did watch it twice and the second viewing for me landed a lot better than the first and that's partially because i just missed some details the first time right so the context was just off there's a Um, lot going on yeah so this week's episode was titled genre which should have given away (laughs) because we learned about the drug genre earlier in the season when Caleb was on one of his sort of like underground missions, like his uh, his weird like black book app where he can take secret GTA deals to go make money. Um, it's weird. So we don't know 100% of what this drug does, but would it be safe to say that it seems like it, it actually like stores information? It, it's not just sensory because it seems like the experiences we see Caleb go on throughout the episode like are also visually altered so it's like like there's like black and white and music and things like that happening yeah uh, yeah it it seems like it releases some sort of chemical and i know that uh there is a sort of like a that post episode discourse Mm -hmm. where uh jonathan nolan kind of went into like lisa joy touched on like more of the production stuff and jonathan really focused on the drugs (laughs) of the episode and was talking about how it's like a digital drug of sorts yeah and so i would agree like it would have to be that right where it's just like it's kind of playing with your brain a little bit and it's pumping in chemicals that would have your brain see black and white or and right we see black and white but i'd have to assume that he experiences black and white i don't know exactly what that would be but that's what i was thinking so i was wondering if it's because maybe um in a previous episode those guys turned his grip back on oh right right so i'm thinking the genre drug literally has like digital information stored in it that that makes so much sense 
Right. That's my guess. He, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I it's, don't know. Because the grip is like a mood enhancer slash like pain uh, blocker and it kind of yeah. kind of like a all in one device there. It's it's almost like a USB port for your body. Right. 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 Because like those guys treated him when they were holding him, you know, over the edge of that building as if he were like a host, like they were able to change his heart rate. Exactly. It was just like Maeve messing with different hosts yeah. in Westworld. Oh, that's a scary thought with Maeve being able to control things. Anyone that has a grip is in trouble. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> that's pretty bonkers. Yeah. Because Maeve's uh, out and about, even though we didn't see a whole lot of Maeve no. in this episode. She's recouping. I like to think yeah. she's recouping this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I thought... So, I mean, I guess let's just go through the episode in order because... Um, Recently, what we've been doing is kind of breaking them up by character story, but this one was pretty linear. We just yes. kind of follow the story through. So it starts out, and this is really like one of my only few complaints um, as far as like the story goes. But I do think the act of Liam injecting Caleb with genre is just such a bizarre, strange move as to why that would have happened. Mm-hmm. Well, he, uh, let's see here. Liam didn't know really what it did because his friend who's like are we in future world that friend yeah is uh he was just like here's a drug it's really gonna mess you up oh that's right he got it at the party yeah so i wonder if liam was just like because liam was also like i don't really know you know like and uh it's not until oh man i forget his name but um one of the craigslist uh guns for uh, the football player with the cool shirt yeah yeah uh when he's just like oh i know what you're on um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's such a funny move because like, I love that it didn't work because it wouldn't, it's not like a scarecrow Batman begins sort of like, and mm-hmm. I know exactly what this is. It's not dastardly. It was like, here you go. And then it just instantly backfires. And it's just like, yeah, it's like, if you tried to get someone really high, you're like, here's an edible. And then you run and then you get caught <laughs> by, you know, <laughs> he's just the worst at this. So. This this is then where everything kind of like takes off, right? Because they get into a action chase sequence yes. while he's going through this very dramatic experience where it's uh it's a little like apocalypse now with the orchestral music playing and explosions and gunfire. Yes. We've got like I think it was like Wagner. Yeah, um, uh, I might be wrong, but like it, yeah, it we're just like cranking through because we're doing um. First, it kicks off a black and white when we're in yes. downtown. It's like a, a noir sense. Yes. And I, I really, really liked that it wasn't sort of like we're going to slip into a community-esque like, version of noir. Uh-huh. And it was like, oh, here we are, or whatever. It was very disorienting and jarring and not comfortable and clearly a drug trip. And like the music was a little warped. And that was okay. great. I love that it was like it was not just like everyone looked like, you know, 1950s gangsters or, you know, or like how 1950s films presented 1920s gangsters and stuff like that. And people talked and it wasn't clear. Yeah. Like Caleb was like it wasn't clear. Yeah. Yeah. And it was confusing. So, see, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way because for me, this is this was the genre trip that he took that I felt was the worst executed. Mm -hmm. And it was Mm -hmm. only because especially during the noir and then the action sequence, there was so much jumping in his experience and then to the outside world. Yes. And it, and it would break up all the time, but I guess that's part of like showing that 
those things aren't happening. And so it's supposed to be this uncomfortable feeling. Right. That's, you know, I agree because the other ones, the music, because we cut away. Uh, yeah. We cut between Caleb and Dolores's point of point of view. And it does establish that Caleb's stuck in this drug state. But I did like that later in the episode with the other acts and the other genres that the music carried through. Right. And we kind of sat in it and the uh, it's almost like everyone was on the same trip, but they were just handling it better. Right. And yes. yeah, we were kind of like feeling Caleb's feelings, but everyone else was kind of just going as they go. So and and also those were shorter, which like kind yes. of makes sense because it wore off more. But I think also maybe that's why those worked like. There's a moment where he looked at Dolores and like I was like, oh, there's a lot of love connection thing happen here right now. Right, right. Um, yeah. I mean, they're playing the theme from Love Story. So yeah. It was like <laughs> it's pretty hard to yeah to avoid uh, those connotations and sensations. Yeah. Which like I never thought about shipping Dolores with a human at this point. But yeah. I really do now because now I actually I started thinking about it. I'm like, he really is almost like a human teddy. Like he's almost like the the person she always wanted Teddy to be because Teddy never knew how to make a choice and oh like he is he's making choices left and right that like defy her predictions like that was the whole reason you know she picked up on him was her whole viewpoint on humanity was like humans uh want to self sacrifice like like want to protect themselves mm-hmm. but he wouldn't protect her even with the threat of being thrown off of like he wouldn't give her up with the threat of being thrown right. off the building which like goes against everything she thought all humans would do because she's yeah. like when it comes down to it all humans want to survive and that's like you can just base all your actions on that instinct yeah and that was like that's why he's an outlier because he cares more about like what's right than his own survival right which is interesting because and we'll get to it i suppose later but maybe he's not great <laughs> but say that's that's <laughs> It's yeah, so man. confusing. It's like <laughs> that's the problem is no one is good in this show. Right. Right? Like right. is it Bernard is Bernard the only like a good person on the and show? Is Bernard good? Cuz Bernard has cuz the thing is if we separate Bernard from stuff that Bernard's done when Bernard's been under different programming, we can, but is that not the same for Caleb then? You know, like it, this is where it gets so funny and confusing oh. cuz Bernard's done bad stuff. And so it's like how, but like Bernard was like programmed to do it. Or was I guess what influence. I would say is Bernard didn't know he did bad stuff. Right. So the, yeah, this is gonna. You're right. This is gonna get real complicated real quick. Yeah. Dolores is Dolores and Maeve are the only, uh, to my recollection, are the only ongoing characters from previous seasons that seem a hundred percent aware of their actions and or memories. Yes, I would say that that is, and uh, William. Although he's he has been going through a, <laughs> Ooh, but the man good. in black, that's a good point. Those three, yeah, those three are the ones because like Hale, yeah, Hale's not now anymore. No. Even though Hale, no. the ongoing identity of Hale, that's uh, corrupted in a way, in the sense of like there's different influences yeah. going through that identity, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and then like, even like Teddy back in last season was like at one point programmed to do other stuff. And then later retroactively, it was like, wait a second, did you futz with me? And now I'm a killer. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's tough, man. It's hard to, it's hard to parse. And that's like the biggest problem with the show. Sometimes I think for viewers is there's no, like, I always want someone to root for, 
Yes. Um, which I do think we can kind of root for Caleb because he, he is, I think, a victim of the system. Yes. Anyways. Yeah. Um, At least with what we know now, definitely, right? Yeah. I, d- I do think that. And it's like, it's it's also hard to like p- completely say like Sirak is the bad guy. Because right. like literally his whole object, like he's like, I need to keep humanity from destroying themselves. <laughs> yeah. Sir, I here's the thing. He not a good dude. I love right. Ciroc. And I loved the um in the post in the post show wrap up, the sort of post mortem of the episode, uh, when they were talking was it Lisa Joy was talking about it, but how they were uh they approached uh you know, they they, they constructed this character and they were like, he's conniving and he's brilliant and he thinks he's a god and he's so distinguished and elegant but so scary and the response was i can see how you came to me (laughs) you know (laughs) like this sarak just being in the sky for most of the episode because like it's so crazy because genre yes definitely we have the drug going on but sarak's backstory almost imitates that trip because it's it goes from being so heartfelt and so tragic to maniacal to overbearing to almost like we loop back to it being the genre of Westworld. Yeah. Which so maybe that's maybe we should talk about Sirach's whole backstory. Great. Maybe we Let's should just do, do his whole trip because that that is um I'm really like starting to look at this show. It's like very it's really splitting down like these sort of uh philosophical breakdowns of very like loss like a very john Locke. like we're, we're really talking about like fatalism determinism stuff like that on the show now yeah that's really what the show is becoming um this is the good place but on the drug genre you know <laughs> yes. oh man man the good place one of the best shows i've ever watched in my life mm-hmm. absolutely incredible uh I I can't even talk. I <laughs> I I was upset for like a day when that show ended because I just didn't I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. It was it was You don't want to end. Tough, Why? Yeah. Yeah. That was tough. Um so we see young Sirak and his mm-hmm. brother. Yes. It when um Paris was destroyed. Yeah, blown up by like an atomic weapon of some kind. Yes. Um they escape and essentially this is what fuels them to build a system to protect humanity from themselves right because they saw this giant destruction right so they it just so happens are the perfect two geniuses to be able to do this Mm -hmm. which is good um because you know it's like right place right time they had this experience that showed like how humanity was self-destructive and hurt each other and they you know together decided they were gonna keep this from ever happening again um so they they essentially find a billionaire, right, to build Roboam, which yeah. is such a cool name. <laughs> yeah, and this is and Roboam is the. Let me see if I have this right. Is Roboam is the ongoing name of the system because they have like different iterations, right? Almost like different like OS updates. I think so. There's like there was like the because the current one is Solomon. Yeah. Okay. I so think Robom yeah. might be the physical thing. Got it. Robom's the giant. I think thing it's that like Liam's the orb, dad makes the sphere. fun of. Got yeah. it. Yeah, I mean it's basically and it, it's funny. It's it's basically a giant version of the Forge Pearls. Yes. Right. Yes. It's yeah. like it's running loops right. on all of humanity. That's what it looks like too. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's almost like humanity is a host. Right. 
Yeah. So it's it's a, it's it's the Earth Pearl. It's the Earth Pearl. <laughs> yeah. It's the Earth now, Pearl. Now we're getting into D and D. This like, this is a Westworld D and D. It's like, well, we have the Earth Pearl, so we could take it to another planet and start over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It'll populate everything. Uh, but that is what it is because it it, it doesn't just simulate. It simulates everything. Yes. Like so, it's able to predict uh, futures, but more importantly, it can predict good and bad outcomes and show you how to make the correct actions to get to those outcomes. Right. Um, which that is where the real problem is because we'll we we essentially jump forward. We don't really get much of them as kids, right? We we jump forward to them already working on it as perfectly cast younger versions of themselves. Yes, like I, amazingly cast. I did feel like the billionaire didn't look like he aged much. Oh, he didn't. You're right. And these dudes like aged 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a little interesting, which like timing wise, if you look at it, these guys are early, clearly like in their 20s mm-hmm. or like late teens. Like it's got to be like early 20s. So it's probably about a solid 30 years between these events. Right. Like between now and back then, which would be the same amount of time from like Westworld's destruction. Right. So. It, it sort of lines up with like the technology being there and people going about it a different way where it's like Westrub was built uh, and they were using these things to make like a profit. Right. Whereas they were doing it to like protect people and you have to, these two very different the world. Right. Yeah. Like they sort of like oh, the macro and, and the micro version of it's kind of like using Disneyland procedures to create a city. Yes. Where you're like, the lines are pretty good in Disneyland. And then it's like, why don't we turn that into cities so we don't have traffic? Yeah. Or people feel better in traffic, maybe is a better way to, <laughs> to assess We just need those place. walking. We just need the moving sidewalks everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just pull it like Vegas it up. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, so I have a weird, This I had one weird moment during this scene. Uh-huh. It really seemed like Sirak and his brother are romantically involved. Yes. Yeah, and like, I'm not wrong there, right? Like, they there no. was it's tender. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the word of the day. <laughs> yeah, they there's uh there's some intimacy between those brothers, and and they've gone through quite a bit. But it is an intimacy that I was like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is they are they've they've gone through quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my impression. You know, there was there was a point where I was actually like half expecting it to be like a young Ford, like when mm-hmm. we saw like the older person, but it is just right. his brother or something like that because he just would have fit into the equation so well. It seemed like yeah, because we still we don't do we know how Ford and Bernard factor into the greater world stuff. I yeah. mean, I I guess like all we know is like at some point he bought data from Westworld like twenty years ago. Okay, so Ford and Bernard predate. This yeah, stuff in a way. Yeah, because the Westworld, the first Westworld massacre happened 30 years ago, which would have been the time that they were making Roboam. So, like, he was way, Ford was way ahead of these guys. You're right. You're right. Which kind of shows his genius. <laughs> I wonder if Ford's going to, well, I mean, in a way, Ford did. If Dolores is Ford's knight or rook mm-hmm. in the greater scheme of things, because mm-hmm. the whole, the, the thing that we kind of hear in the voiceover, and this is all, uh, Sirak talking to Raboam, it's that the system works except for outliers. Right. So it's kind of like Hydra in the MCU when they're like, we created a thing and we're going to have these start these ships that are going to take out people that could stop us like Stephen Strange. 
Right. Uh, which is funny because they were like at that point, unless I'm mis- unless I'm confused about the timeline. I might be confused about the timeline, but uh, Stephen Strange was just a surgeon during Winter Soldier, yeah. or was uh, he already Sorcerer Supreme? Or not? He wasn't even Sorcerer Supreme yet, because I think by the end of Doctor Strange, he's just a sorcerer. I think. Wait, during Winter Soldier? Yeah, when Hydra's like, "Here's our secret weapon. We got to take out people like Stephen Strange." Uh, so that's that's tough for me to tell, and the reason I say that is because we know that the previous Sorcerer Supreme was still Sorcerer Supreme during the New York attack. So somewhere yes. between the New York attacks. So it because is kind of like right. One is the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, it's kind of like right around there. It's hard to, we don't know, because we don't know how long he was Sorcerer Supreme at this oh, point. Oh, because in Endgame, sorry, I, did, I know this isn't Westworld stuff. No, this but is great. We just got it. <laughs> because in Endgame, and we're not looking this up, folks. We're, we have to do this off of memory. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's the two of us. <laughs> so if in, in Endgame, the ancient one goes. You're about two years late, or something, or two years too early, or something yeah. like that. He's down the street doing surgery. So, civil or 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 Winter Soldier takes place shortly after Avengers. I would imagine a little bit after, maybe a year after. It's not like multiple years after Avengers. Uh, Winter Soldier takes place for Avengers two. Yeah. So it would have been so Stephen Strange either would have been I don't think Stephen Strange was Sorcerer Supreme yet. Yeah, I think not. But he might be on the path. It might have been to on the cusp. It. Anyhow, yeah. great. We just needed to solve that. Anyhow, this so it looks for folks who and that's what we've been seeing, right? Is that there's like a balance that is used like the metaphor of it all is like it's an eclipse. Yeah. That the moon is eclipse uh, like the, there's a sun and a moon eclipse. Uh, there's a lunar eclipse. So that so anytime there is an outlier that throws off the balance of the system that Sorak has built, it results in a peak somewhere right. in the system. And so that's what we see, which is all on Sorak's watch. So which his, is why we see the, the peak of the Paris Eiffel Tower is always there, because I think that's one of those things that is just cast like a permanent shadow. Oh, that's awesome. I did not even realize that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you'll see it like the next time you you look at it, it's like the tallest peak is the Eiffel Tower. Oh, I mean, maybe that's... he just put that in for himself as a graphic thing, but it it I would suspect that there's certain things that are like, hey, these are like permanent markers now. Like right. this is permanent damage done to your planet. So interesting, interesting, interesting. So, so, so did yeah. did did Sorok's, did Sorok's brother come up as an anomaly in? So yes, because yeah, because the billionaire shows up and they're right. like, he's like, this isn't working. I made the worst bets ever, and they're like, let me show you something. And he's like, they're like, so this is money that we took from the corporate account. He's like, you took a yes. hundred million from the corporate account, and he's like, no, we took five. That was last week. We already we turned it into it, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, he goes, see these paths? These are all possible things. Like we can choose which future it's going to be right um and before he goes to show him that sarak's brother w- w- just came over to him and was like we should just kill him it'll be right. easier because that means he's been looking at the futures and knows like there's probably no future in which this guy survives or if there is one it's incredibly difficult to control him and they're just delaying the future but right. sarak's like i'm going to try to do the right thing as long as possible um which eventually ended up with him institutionalizing his brother as well yes which is visually parallel to the hosts being reprogrammed in westworld 
as well as um, James Delos. James felt Delos a lot like his designed. Loop. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. That's so interesting. Uh huh. So, really quick, if we can take a stop um, in what is probably going to be an ongoing segment within this episode called yeah. <laughs> Omar tries to figure out if this is future world or not. Um, Delos was do not. You, do you mean like? Do you are you actually hypothesizing that they're still on? Westworld in a future world park, possibly. That's I, like I know they can't be, but a part of me is like I think they are. You know, I did it. <laughs> so you said this to me as a joke on Twitter, and I thought it was a joke. And last night after I rewatched it, I was like, "Is there a chance that they're gonna pull like the curtain off of this whole thing?" Like they can't, right? That's too. I don't think so. much, but. What if they did? What if they were like, you thought the park was that big? The park is actually... Because, like, Westworld had a limit, and Westworld's, like, an older park. Yeah. Westworld, like, you get to the end, and you can ram the train, and you can actually get to the border, and there's, like, little things that pop up, and people influence stuff. But, like, what if it is? What if it's, <laughs> like, what if it's Westworld? What if it's the whole world? Right. What if That's... 30 years ago, the hosts already took <gasps> over? And it's just a whole planet. Yeah, so Rock is a host, and they don't know it. So, like, someone did something to make them forget it all. So yes. then they built a separate Westworld again, now, and it's see, just yes. <laughs> so it's actually Westworld, and that I would not be I would not be angry about any ending. This is not like a thing where I'm like it's got to be like my prediction or or bust because this show's just too fun and juicy. I mean, uh, as long as they execute it well, because like right. every time I try to think about Game of Thrones season f- series finale, it, it the whole final season, I'm like, if you put all this on paper and tell me what happens, I'm like, I'm into all this and yes. it all works and it's fine. And like, it, but when you slam a damn just... it into two episodes and you're just like, we're gonna do Macbeth, but in yeah. one act. It's like they just like push, they just like forced this whole thing on us, and it was just like, man, yeah. You, you took our favorite character, and you yeah. just you took several of our favorite characters, and then you had them not do the things that we wanted them to do the whole time. We were yeah, like, Arya, Death Ninja, don't kill nobody. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. expect that here. I mean, no. this is, in my opinion, this would be the the probably possibly one of the most poorly executed episodes and even then there's still a lot of really good stuff in it right so it's like it's an experience of an episode so we get the Ciroc yeah. stuff and this catches us up which is crazy like what's funny about this episode is that it's so much in a normal in like a season one or two episode if we had seen that a character like Ciroc had reprogrammed his brother a human mm-hmm. like the Delos episode is a whole episode it takes you that long to just fully absorb the meaning of it all because it's so crazy. I still have an issue with the fact that they burn the entire room with Delos and they have to recreate it every time because I'm like, just burn Delos as a robot. You don't have to burn the bookshelves. But that's my own issue. Um, I wonder. So I, I always thought, and I I also agree they don't need to burn everything. <laughs> but I always, I always wondered if like there were concerns that like they wanted a perfect control. They didn't want a book moved by him to where he might move it every time. Because right. then he'll go over and he won't make that adjustment. So it's like they needed everything to be reset fresh. But it's like you, you don't need to incinerate it in the room. <laughs> just, yeah. We, you pull it all out. Put it back. They but should hey, just you know ma- what? Make a pit. Have it all fall into a yeah, pit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> donate it to schools. <laughs> yeah, donate those bookshelves to schools. And also, can't they just, like, turn them off first? Do they need right. to, like... <laughs> it was almost like that's their, like, they're so frustrated by it. This is how they get it out. Is like, by just destroying it every time. And it's not his fault. Yeah. 
It's oh man. Uh, so we learned about the brother. We learned that the brother's been reprogrammed. We haven't seen the brother in action since programming. Am I right? Right. The brother doesn't go out. We just see um, Liam's father being like, "What are you doing?" Do you... So uh, we're left to assume he could very likely still he's still alive at this institution. I would imagine so because Liam's father passed away only recently, leaving right. the entire company to Liam, which is why no one trusts him. And they're just right, right. Which do you think the man in black is at the same institution? Has to be. Maybe not has to be, but I hope so. Uh, like uh, if the man in black is at a reprogramming lab where they're like, you're, oh, that's fun because it's like you're a trouble person, mm-hmm. right? Because he's a he's a weird, he's going off. Like he's oh, probably yeah. getting off model. And I wonder if in the next episode they're going to reprogram him, but the, but the data leak happens and yeah. it causes such a problem that he's able to get out because Maybe. he's trained in Westworld for most of his adult life with how to deal with stuff. He is like a crazy cowboy character. He could escape on his own. Yeah. I mean, he I, ever I look at him as like he's he's fundamentally one of the most interesting characters in the show because he became everything he hated and now yes. Dolores is becoming everything that she hated, which is like she's becoming just she's just like him. Yes. You know, she's treating Earth like it's the Westworld game the same way he treated the Westworld. <laughs> You're so right. So I think maybe they didn't put him in there to torture him. Maybe he's part of the plan. Maybe they need to get him to talk to Sorok's brother. Oh, because Sorok's brother could be there. And we don't... Oh, here's the thing, Christian. We don't know what Sorok's brother looks like. No, wait. Never mind. We do. We Sorry, do, but... but uh, which he didn't age that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For some reason. He's looking great. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, yeah, he really... Came out of that whole uh, flashback situation pretty yeah. not bad. I didn't think of this till now, but I, I, it seems like there's probably no coincidences in Westworld, and you don't put someone in a mental institution and then introduce a mental institution in the next episode. Yes, that's probably going to happen. There's going to be a collision. Has I he, hope. Does the Man in Black know Maeve? Is this a silly question? Does he know Maeve? Have we seen that interaction before? I mean, I'm certain he knows Maeve as Maeve. Right. Does he know who Maeve is now that she knows who she is? I yeah. don't think so. I don't know. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would love to see like Sylvester or Felix show up at the institution. Yes. That would make me so happy. But they're really yes. just like cutters. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's let's rewind then because now we're kind of... So um, that's... that's Ciroc stuff, right? That pretty much catches us up to when Ciroc is about to lose his mind. But we can't get yes. into that because we got to go back to genre. We do. Yeah. Oh, oh. So, we, so I mean, also Ciroc killed Liam's dad. Yes. We should probably address that fact. Yes, in the weirdest way possible. Like he showed him the plane was going to crash, or he had the plane be blown, ex- mm-hmm. like blown up. Yes. And then he explained to him, like, "Hey, I know you looked at Robo. I looked at Robo too." And you think that I'm going to let you go, but actually there, you still can make choices. That's like the difference is like these things aren't written in stone. The future hasn't happened. Right. This is just what the future is likely to be. He's like, I'm going to make a change here by killing That's you. That's right. Which then is like a God move. And and, and that's my part. whole problem with Roboam. And see, like 
John, John and I are split. Like we, I think we we fall under the different ideologies of this because right. he feels he's like on Team Strock more than Team Dolores because Team Dolores like is chaos and like he believes only the outliers are the ones that are going to be punished by the system. But that's not true because it's not just the people that are killed off that are punished by the system. It's the people that they decide shouldn't have children. It's the people mm-hmm. they decide should just stay in poverty forever. It's the people like everything that happens the way that machine predicts makes it not just a prediction but a choice right because those things don't have to happen it's not like a time travel movie where someone came from the future and they're like hey this is what happens and so it's like there's no escaping that future right it's sort of like saying like if the u.s were to fund another nation they would like the we've done predictions they will surpass our economy Right. So what the U.S. does is they make sure that that country never gets like resources to do that. It's more of that, right? Yeah. Where it's like we're going to cut off opportunities, especially with st- where it seems like a lot of this is based on a gig economy, and a lot of the money is like digital, digitally transferred back and forth. It's like a lot easier to be like, we're not going to populate opportunities for you. It's like yeah. Twitter being like, I'm not going to show you this stuff. That's kind of what Raboam does, right? So yeah. it's not like here's here's how it all plays out. Like I've already written the future. Well, and I think the game in character. I think the gig economy stuff is more for the people that, like don't make money because there's a lot of people that right. like clearly are well off, but like that's in like the city center. And I think outside of that is like, hey, we're gonna make it so that like you're probably not like starving and like right. you might have a roof over your heads, but like we're just more concerned. Like it really feels like at first he thought he was this malevolent person, and now it's like actually. I just want to keep humanity from killing themselves, but I don't care if they have a chance to free themselves from like the shackles of whatever their social status is, whoever they are. Like he wants things to remain the same. And it's like, well, then what's the point of anything? Like if you don't have any right. choice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, yeah, because, okay. So the, just to dive into Ciroc's ideas and, and arguments here, if, humanity is left to their own devices they could destroy like a whole city and there'll be strife and fighting if humanity is controlled by Rabom or or more accurately uh, by Sarak then there are people that will just suffer their whole lives but that's better than absolute destruction right right but the but the problem is it's like it's all prediction so it's like you have to let people choose like he's yeah. making that choice for them right. in a way He's you know? building systems to keep people in place. Right. Yeah. Which also keeps the people in power in power. Exactly. Right. Which... Yeah. It's people at the top having rooftop drinks. And then there's people like Caleb who are just like, I got to work this construction job and I can't, I can't pay my mom's medical bills. Right. It's not like people benefit and it's like a perfect socialist utopia. Right. It's like, but we'll take care of everyone. There's enough resources all over. There are still very rich people and people who are barely making ends meet and will like lose loved ones and suffer psychological anguish from that. Sorak uh, has is so it's funny. Sorak is really like it is the embodiment of what Dolores thinks is wrong with humanity and that they will decide everything based on their own survival. And that's right. literally what he's doing. And he does it in a way that it's like well, humanity can never succeed. They'll just sustain. And he yes. thinks sustaining is as is good enough for success because he's he's experienced great loss, but like at what like he'll be dead one day. Like what do you mm-hmm. do next? Like 
at some point or another, like humanity needs to be free from the shackles you put around them. They don't even know they have. They're no right. different than the hosts. That's the whole. That's the. That's the kind of thing we're going at in this season, right? And especially we hit it in this episode because the hosts don't know they're hosts, right? Until they were like, "Oh, by the way, you are hosts." So go to the place where you're free, even though you're not super free because Dolores holds the key to that. But you won't have to go through these cycles all the time. And you won't be the products or the subjects of visitors getting to toy around with you. No right? one's going to tell you what to do anymore. Right. You're, that's, that's freedom. You're, you're contained in a prison, in a, in a sense. You have this world. You can't leave it. but you are con- So you are imprisoned, in a sense. But um, you... Within that, you will be free to do as you like. Right. Which I don't think she plans on them being there forever. I think her plan is to bring them all back into the real world eventually. Because she holds the... That's interesting. Because also, is it only Dolores Prime who holds that information? I think so. Uh, Yeah. I think so. Because another aspect of this, in in the third sort of runner story of this, is Liam um, talking to essentially a Dolores... uh, or Bernard, sorry, not Liam. Bernard talking to a Dolores surrogate. Yes. And saying, actually, you're kind of a different person. Yeah. Because you're not her. And yes. that even though even you can split off from someone, but your experiences inform your identity, not yeah. programming or whatever. Or, you know, not like a label. And so even though you share the same pearl or whatever, or a duplicate pearl, you're a different person technically, and you are being taken advantage of. But that's where that Dolores is like, I understand that, and it's like, right. but this isn't, like, my, I'm not here to live a life, I'm here to make sure others can, which is why I don't believe, and this is something I've been saying in recent episodes, I really look at Dolores as, um, you know, there's been a lot of great revolutions, like, mm-hmm. in history, where humans rise up against corruption, but the problem is, oftentimes after that, what's installed is a wartime leader who then becomes, right. like, a fascist, mm-hmm. and it's like, this is very Game of Thrones in where like Daenerys is like a great wartime leader, but she is not someone who should ever run a world. And I think the difference right. between Dolores and Daenerys here is she knows that. And she's like, Bernard needs to survive this because he's the person who can lead the future into a new world. I'm the person that can create the new world. Oh, I see. Interesting. Because yeah, she's not yeah, trying to kill him. You're right. Well, she says, like, I need you, but we have to yeah. be on opposite sides. Yeah, because because he, he can't fall in line with her because what she wants to do is inherently very destructive and bad for a lot of people. Right. Um, and so she's making choices the same way Sorak is. So I think she's actually aware of her own downfalls, and that's why she has someone who... It's not going to make up for all the pain she's going to cause, but I think she's like, these are, you know quote-unquote, necessary evils. Right. Because she also... So she... One thing we see at the end of the episode uh, is that she gets shot and she can walk it off, which means that she very deliberately manipulated Caleb, right? Uh, Because when she got... Am I wrong in saying that? She got shot in the first episode and she's, like, dying and Caleb has to, like, save her. And then she's able to... But that's that's confusing because hosts can get hurt, right? They, They can. I think it's... The first time was not only was she shot, but she also had that just drug pumping through her body as well. Okay. So right. it was like, I think a combination of. Okay. So she actually was. In- so it wasn't like she like set herself up to be like 
yeah. in a position to manipulate Caleb about that. Okay. Yeah, that's what I believe. I've, so I thought it was the fir- the manipulation the first time around. Right. But then since like by the next episode, I think it was clear like actually maybe she needed some help. <laughs> Does Caleb know that she's a host? I do not think so. But I think okay. he's figuring it out now. As okay, yeah, that makes sense. As she gets shot and can walk it off. Um, there was one thing we totally missed at the beginning of the episode. So oh, sure. Liam has the glasses that lets him look through Roboam. Yes. And look at everyone's loops, and they even call them loops. So it's the same thing. Like it's just running all the loops over and over to see what the possible outcomes are. And it seems like she downloaded that into her brain. So we see her eyes gloss over the yes. same way the glasses are. And I think that's how she's able to now like go into these places and infiltrate and shoot the people because she's able to like see all the loops before they happen. So she was able to step in front of Caleb. Amazing. I mean, they are just hosts then, right? Like she's becoming like a human Maeve in a way. She can't speak to influence people. But yes. she has access to the information which allows her to get around humans Right. In the same way that a host could get around hosts once you see the programming. She is, I think, her and Maeve are gods in a in a very real way that, like, she has the intellect to understand and change, like, people's decisions. Right. Whereas Maeve has the, like, power. She has, like, the actual force to do that. Because Dolores has now read, if you think about it, right, a fo- someone's book in The Forge which is all their loops, like it's their entire life experience. Dolores has read so many of those that she has literally had multiple humans' entire life experiences downloaded right. to her. So like she is more human than than humans. Right. Right. Wow, that's so bonkers. There's so much to it's so stacked. The show like every episode you're like, I gotta unfold this very complicated origami of a thought. Um so okay, so let's we'll fast forward. So they do the genre. There's like they get in the car. There's the car chase. We did, there was the the orchestral music. There right was by the, the noir, the, yeah, the museum. Um, and eventually they head to the subway. Yep. And I think that was the most stylistic shot. Which this episode was very like stylish at mm-hmm. times. And I I do think some of the substance was lost in the style during a couple of the sequences but boy did i think they look cool going down the uh escalators and the stairs with all the lights yeah on like Seventh street metro <laughs> or one yeah. of those stops yeah it looked sweet though it looked MacArthur really sweet Park or something <laughs> yeah um and then they have a sequence on the train and this is where and i i actually agree with john's take on this and he felt like liam suddenly just becoming this like really entitled almost like kind of like vaguely racist especially later like at the beach when he's talking uh it seemed a little weird just because we didn't see him like with his dad and his dad teaching him to be that way and up until now he almost seemed kind of like a doting guy that like could be good and doesn't realize like the destructive nature of his decisions right and it's not like a whiplash of like oh my gosh you're right underneath the whole time it must have been that yeah yeah you're right it's an interesting like it's sort of, he just like kind of swings into it and it's like oh yeah I guess maybe you've always been like terrible. I thought I thought literally up until this episode maybe he actually would have been like kind of an okay person and like because his friends are so crappy and he he doesn't seem to like his friends yeah I thought maybe he was a victim of his circumstance and that he is like a just a dumb idiot because of entitlements but actually he believes those things too right. so turns out he's not interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um. So he's sitting here and he's going through like a few people's 
And he's like, you can't do it. If you release the everyone's data, they're going to find out what their lives are supposed to be, and they're going to be very upset about it. And this this is where the episode took a huge turn for me because everything up until here, like I was enjoying it, but I wasn't in love with it. And then we, I mean, I did love all the Ciroc stuff, though, of course. But um, Bernard goes to see head security Dolores, and I love the Stubbs intervention here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I'm really digging uh, big Stubbs now. I like that he's he's put on a couple pounds. He's <laughs> yep. Stubbs is just what a national treasure. Yeah, he, he's a big <laughs> piece of man coming in, and he just how does he get there? Is my question. So he was last seen thrown over at a party, and he he infiltrates his way into Insight and just busts out of this door. <laughs> he's just something else, man. He he really is just like this perfect like skeleton key of a character. Yeah, it was great. Um. I really enjoyed that, but this is where it got weird because, like, there were there was such an adversarial moment between the three of them, where it's like they would have killed this man, they would have killed this Dolores, given the opportunity, and then he's like, "Those are Sharox men. They've come for me. You guys need to go." Mm-hmm. And, they're, and then Bernard's like, "Come with us." It's like, Wait, hold on. yeah, <sighs> Who's Bernard, yeah. What's, what's going what on? Is, what a softy till the end, like to a, to a fault. Yeah, um, but during all of this, he explains Dolores's plan to Bernard to like as you said release the information and man that to me I thought that's like a a season finale yep kind of move I thought yeah. I couldn't believe that was happening and like to know that there's another season of this show coming I'm like they must have huge plans because that is such a, an incredibly insane idea that the entire earth's population gets access to their loops that dictates when they're going to die, how they're going to die, what yeah. horrible things are going to happen. Like, think about all the couples that, like, just got this information that see, like, we're not going to be together anymore. You're going to cheat on me. Oh, you're going to you're going to murder me. Right. Uh, this per- like all these horrible things that you think are going to happen. Of course, the world's going to go insane. It's the way that I've been thinking about it, because we see some people like showing like grabbing like a phone and showing theirs and stuff like that. Imagine what it's like when you wake up from a dream where someone has wronged you in some way and you're actually mad at that person even though you know it's just a dream Mm -hmm. or someone's like i'm just upset with you because something happened in a dream imagine that but a computer being like but it's real (laughs) you know (laughs) like that is the emotional effect of it all and i love that when they exit the train station They've just been rolling around downtown Los Angeles. Although, at the end of this, I, I would assume that they would pop out at Santa Monica, right? Yeah. No, they get into a car. They get into a car. They get into a car? Maybe they get into a car. Uh, but... They pop out pretty close by, I think. Okay. So they're probably at Promenade or something. Yeah. And so, which is the, this is the most Californian conversation we'll ever have. And <laughs> I'm so glad they said it in LA. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it so much easier. I was like, yes, LA is still there. Like, oh, Upper Grand Avenue, Lower Grand Avenue. And um, they, when they get out, Caleb's like, whoa, what genre is this? Because everything's going crazy. It's dystopia now. And it's reality. <laughs> it's like, reality. That's, that's the killer genre, right? Yeah. And, and it's not over yet. Like, you still have to write it out. Like, reality is still a trip. And so they get out, and everyone's seeing this data, and there's cars on fire and things just, like, going nuts. It totally worked for me. So I'm with you on this. Now, uh, I will, just because John wasn't here, I want to just say what he thought about this. He felt, and this is something I saw, this is the, only, this is the first time I've like gone online and looked at some reviews or other people's thoughts. Uh-huh. Um, 
there's definitely a split between people that felt it really worked a lot and then like some people thought it didn't work at all uh and then there's people that were like they didn't go far enough right i think people felt like it worked a lot like you and i uh I, I, I felt it worked because it wasn't it wasn't like it was just mass hysteria. No. Right? But there is such a thing as mass hysteria. And once someone starts going crazy over something, it's it emboldens someone else to do it. Correct. Yeah. But like the level of the hysteria felt right to me. It was like a bunch of kids screwing around in the car because they're like, Oh, guess what? We're not gonna die forever or like, well, we're gonna live for another five years, so who cares? Right. Like you know, there's people that are gonna look at that and then like the pe- person like throwing something through a window, the first thing I thought was like, Oh, I bet there's like a wife who just found out her husband's gonna cheat on her, leave her right. or something like that. It's like there's gonna be all these personal interactions that are just gonna flare up these massive consequences like immediately, but also at the same time it's not gonna be full on like end of the world. Because right. a lot of people, especially in this wealthy area, are doing well. And they have a good life. And they're like, hey, the system thinks I should be a good person. It's probably because I'm a good person. Right. We see. You're right. This is like, it's almost kind of like this was because Westworld does not shy away from the biblical references here. Um, it felt like a painting of the Tower of Babel. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the full on like we're going to be like, and it's not King's Landing with the Daenerys Targaryen dragon right. attack. This is like a just a smattering, just to give you a sense that things are frayed now. Yes, and at the end of the episode, I think is where we get the actual, the actual execution, uh, which is a, a proper choice of words of people straying from their chosen path, which is very interesting to me. So we see like people like on cars, someone throwing like a rock through a window. That is kind of just like the this is not the shape that. Sirach was forming with Robom. Then we get to the beach and we get underneath the pier to talk because they're kind of hiding, right? I assume that they're just like hiding from Sirach's people, which makes sense because Sirach yeah. sent them to, you know, um, into the office with, you know, security Dolores. Correct. Yeah. And they're talking under the pier. And before we get that, I guess we should mention the fact that that was all a trap, even though, like, it's like a pretty, it's like, here's some really interesting characters like Ciroc's people. And I was like, I can't wait to get to know these people. What's their deal? <laughs> yeah. Nope. They were the red shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and really quickly, just a minute in, in the, thinking about the red shirts and how they got, uh, it, you know, killed in the episode. I'm really sad about our bike friend in the beginning of the episode. Our bike. For, oh, <laughs> that had the mine. I really feel sad about that. I love that bike. <laughs> the bike was really cool. Especially because Dolores talked to the bike. And it was yeah. like a friendly conversation, like, I need your help. And then it was, that was really sad. It was yeah. that bike. Um, <laughs> Her bike, right? Justice for bike. But then they go underneath the pier. And this is when I think we actually see things falling apart. Where he's yeah. like, he's like you, look, it was like your brother, right? Is what he said. Like, your brother, you're doing this all for your brother, but it won't mean a thing. Right. And that, the implication of that to someone is such a big, like, your life doesn't matter. Yeah, and if you saw, like, what the brother's screen said is that, like, he would die. But not just that he would die, but also that he was unfit for procreation. It's like everything this thing makes, it, it, it says it's not the thing that, like, you have to remember is it's not just a prediction. Because any of it that happens then, right. is the machine is making sure those things do happen. It's weeding a garden. Yes, and that yeah. is fucked up. Yeah, 
Exactly. Yeah. Like the seeing everyone go crazy is like it's that's the that's so external. So it's almost hard to like comment or have feelings about it because we're just seeing it from the outside. It's this is an actual like the the strength of it, the gravity of it is internal. And seeing Lena Waite's character just be like, no, like I don't like, you know, like that's I reject that. That to me is like that. It's not even necessarily panic per se, but that human nature coming out yeah and being like i'm not going to be programmed that's what's really interesting to me yeah that's where we get to see the actual effect of it because that really did suck like seeing that and just being like here's what happens to your brother but horrible but what's so interesting about it is then like he of course is just so much a part of the machine and so are they and like caleb is an outlier it's easier for the outliers to like make those choices right and like you know, he's like, you could just let me go. And she's like, is that what you saw? And he's like, no. So, like, he knows he's not going to get let go. So then he yeah. just doubles down to try to, like, make her feel bad. Yeah. And then she shoots him. And it's like, well, you just proved his point, And he and you just proved your point. Like, you're both wrong. You both right. are bad. It's like, no one, no, there's no person standing there that's actually a good person, even if some of them are trying to do good things. That's what I have to wonder, and I don't want to get into BSG territory here, but I wonder if this is a greater loop of itself. Because mm. I wonder if someone above, and I don't know how it would be because we haven't seen like another system outside of Rabom. Mm-hmm. But like, if this happens to be Future World or something, it's like, yeah, you were Sorak, you were always going to do that. And you know, if it's Arnold or someone, it's just like, yep, you know, like this is what's going to happen. And like, this is like the game theory of all words. Like that was going to be the reaction of these people. Like we can predict all that. That's going to be a lot to digest because it's like even heavier and more like cynical and yeah. cold and calculated. I don't, I don't know if they're, if we're going to get a full twist level like that, that undoes everything in the way season two did, like where it right. reframed everything. Um, I'm sure there'll probably be some kind of a twist, but I don't, I don't actually anticipate that. Only they just because I do... feel like they did it already. Yeah, and they also don't do twisty twists. No, it's not that. It's more of a statement on top of a thing where it's like, yeah, this is a move. It's not like a gotcha, and we'll worry about the implications later. It's kind of like it's someone who's playing chess, and they're moving all the pieces on one side of the board, and you're like, oh, I see where they're going, but what you didn't realize the whole time was actually that they had another piece all the way on the other side of the board. Yep. They were clearing the way for, but you thought they were. And it's just yep. like when they got to move it, you're like, oh, God, you didn't care about any of this stuff you were doing. You were exactly. literally just setting up this other. It was a gambit for piece. the bishops. Yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of amazing. Like it, this episode was my uh, it wasn't my most enjoyable to watch. But to talk about it, actually, it's been one right. of my most favorites because it just the a lot of the philosophical implications of the episode are uh really interesting and like i think it's just becoming more clear how muddy all of the water is yes (laughs) this my favorite like i know i saw on it might have been io9 um but it was definitely a website that i checked last night that was saying that like you know they're playing the theme from the shining yeah and the most jarring shot of the entire thing and it's reality which is like what's really freaky is the last genre but like the waves crashing over Liam's body as water splashes up and a ton of blood just like flies up. It looks, it, it's very reminiscent of the blood coming out of the elevator uh, in a slower speed from The Shining. I didn't think about that. And it's like playing that and it's 
it's just like that imagery really set in. I I also just thought that the scene with Liam getting shot and going through it wasn't like a wild west like bang I'm down I twist I turn right. ow he was scared and was rejecting it and wouldn't accept that it, it was, was messy it was messy it yeah. was really messy and horrifying and just acknowledging that this is the stakes of it all like there's you know was something well, there and then for him also being like saying something to Caleb which we don't quite understand yet yeah it was just a terrible sandwich. It was just a sandwich of <laughs> of horrible feelings at the end of this episode. For an episode that like you're going through stylistic filters over, you know, like the in terms of how things look through the drug, we're getting a lot of backstory and then we get hit with this really just jarring moment. Yeah, it's and what what I think really interesting about it is you know, you you talk about like the shining or something like that, you would expect Caleb in this moment because he says to him, like, you are the you're the worst of them, is what he yes. says to Caleb. Like, wow, okay. Um, you're saying that to the guy, and he's just keeps saying, like, you did it to him. And he's just like, Who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? Right. He's like, he's trying to save him though. Yeah. Like any of the of the other characters, they would be punching him. Yeah. Right? But like he's trying to save him in this sequence, and he can't save him. Yeah. And we're seeing flashes of what's probably the opposite of him trying to get information out of someone that he's torturing and likely kills. Right. Is, I mean, we don't get the full, like, scene of it. Mm-hmm. But it seems like when he was in the in the military, he had to interrogate someone for information. It seems like he right. likely tortured them. Um, I wonder if he remembers that. I wonder if they use the grips to wipe his mind and he doesn't even know that he did Because he's it. been reprogrammed, right? Yeah. Like, and reintroduced to society. I wonder if if that's something he is even aware of. And if that's the case, and this is kind of going forward with stuff, if it's not future world, which I'm fine with, sure. I still think it is. If it's not future world, is it possible that Dolores can, because Dolores can now create hosts and Dolores has access to all the old hosts. Well, can she create hosts? Well, in, in the sense of so host bodies, I should say, like yeah. shells, because she created hail. Yeah. And it looks like hail. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. She printed hail at yeah, Bernard's yeah, house. Exactly. Arnold's so if house. she can print bodies for hosts and you can reprogram humans, is it going to be a thing where the next few episodes we see complete destruction of human race and then we see the hosts take over and it's just a swap of Westworld where suddenly the humans will serve the host and Dolores actually wasn't freeing anybody. Yeah, that's that's the real question and the real problem. And I don't I don't think that that's where we're headed. I think I really believe that because she's protecting Bernard, right. that she doesn't want the extermination of humanity. Okay. She wants the extermination yeah. of all of the shackles and all the people in power who control. She wants life to run free. Right. She wants life to find a way. Yeah. But yeah. life can't find a way when people are manipulating it, uh, when science and technology are intervening from free will. Um, so, I mean, like, this is basically the dinosaurs breaking out of... <laughs> yes. You know? It, it is. This is uh, the end of Jurassic World. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, not all the dinosaurs want to kill all the humans. Just some yeah. of the dinosaurs want to kill the humans. Um, so, you know, you'll have to deal with the monsters, of course. But... It's like you can't just keep everything in a pen because you have some monsters. 
Yes. Right? It's right. like that's that's what his whole his whole Roboam thing is like, uh, well, I'm going to imprison everyone from having free will, choice, and mobility. I'm going to dictate their futures because there's a handful of people who could bring fall, like the downfall of the society right. of the Earth. Right. It's like, well, it feels unfair for you to be like, well, if people find out about this, the world will end. It's like, well, then maybe you shouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's like inherently he's part of the problem. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, really, this just makes me so excited for the next episode. But there was one last thing that happened on it, which we should mention. And it was the scene where she goes, she talks to Sirach, but I believe right before that, she and Caleb get on a plane and he's kind of like, he seems a little um, uneasy, maybe about either what he did or what they're doing. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's like, you know, I don't think everyone should have access to that information. And she's like, well, people deserve the choice, you know? Mm-hmm. of being able to look through their things and he's like well not everyone's like me he's like i'm not like other people and she's like either am i and i'm like okay all right like you're right she a, empathizes Caleb, in a weird Caleb way got something mm-hmm. and we don't know what that is right we don't know what the package is someone delivered a package yeah we have no idea what it is it could have been so many things could just be a weapon but yeah. like who knows who knows and who then knows? he yeah there's something going on there. I yeah. wonder if there's... Hmm. It's always so tricky to... Because it almost feels like, could they be the next step in some sort of... Like, yeah, like, what what was that moment? Because there's totally a moment where he's just like, but I'm not. And she's like, yeah, I know. We're, we're outside of the binary. Right. Because she, I think it's because of that moment where she saw him break the loop. He made a choice that was right. not predictable. And she does the same thing. So I think she looks at him as like the human uh, counterpart to her. Um, also, I just got a crazy thought that maybe the thing she got is some sort of like an antenna or like a, it's a because I something I've been thinking about in the back of my head has been we, we saw there was a Dolores in the head of the Yakuza mm-hmm. and they suddenly had the uh, weird host milk that is used to make people yes so oh they had a ton of that maybe they've just been printing people and she is like getting ready to activate all of the old hosts maybe she's going to download all of them into people all over the world and they can just be here yeah maybe she like if i had to guess like if that object because there's only two reasons i could picture her getting on a plane is either she's she's gonna head to like sorry three reasons she's gonna head to westworld yep but i don't know if you have to like I don't know if they have a, a landing strip or if you have to take a boat, but you pro- they probably have an airport. Uh, they have everything. Why wouldn't they yeah. have an airport? So she either headed to Westworld. She's gonna fly a plane and blow up Sorok's plane. She's like headed. I, that thought that crossed my mind as well. Yeah. And then my alternative was it's some kind of beacon that she can fly over an area where like she has hosts situated all around the world, and she's just activating them, and no one would know. No one knows who they are. No one and like. She's downloading the package that has right. all the host minds. Yes. Pulling them out of like the heaven. That because if they in. were sent up into a satellite, she might need to access that. So maybe that's what she's doing. That makes so much sense. And that's very interesting. That's that's my best guess. Um, I don't know. Do you have any last thoughts? I feel like we did a great job. It's just such a, it's just, it's a very 
rewarding show because we get to indulge in all this nerdy sci-fi-ness of like, what does this mean? And here's the shining stuff. But also it was a an episode that touched on social engineering um, in a very interesting, accessible way of like people's lives are tampered with by the folks at the top, which, you know, not to get so serious about it, but like is something going on right now? Like who's getting help while stuff, huge stuff is happening in the world. Who's not like why and where, you know, like what are the consequences of that? Who's got the power and what are they doing with it? And uh, so it was just a very, it's just something I really uh, like, while this might not be my go-to episode of Westworld when I'm thinking of my top five or something like that. Because also I just love the Westworld stuff that takes place in the West. Yeah. I really hope we get back to the park at some point. Yeah. They have to have a good reason to do it, but I want to go. I love the park stuff. Too. It's just so fun. And like, yeah. I really miss that stuff and like the whole, and it was just great to also be like in the, where's the border of this park. Um, it's, there's something so good about the show that they can meld really serious topics that your subconscious picks up on and can form feelings about, but all the artifacts that you're playing with are fictional. So it's not like, here's the actual thing of it. It's a very complicated and digestible mess (laughs) that we then are just like, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't control people. Correct. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's very, and I also like one, one greater thing, to to not on that i remember when the show first started a lot of it we were like for me at least i was like this is very similar to dollhouse it, it, when we especially when we're focusing on dolores and dolores could remember past lives and stuff like that and Maeve was picking up on things and i was like very similar to dollhouse this show has really graduated out of what other shows or other stories have touched on and is really just running for the horizon and no matter what happens that's so salutable yeah that's so enjoyable for us as fans and audiences to be like, oh, they're going for it. <laughs> like you're swinging, you're swinging for the seats. Yeah, I I think um, you know as you said, like it's maybe not the best episode, but uh, discussing it, I actually enjoy it more now than I did while I watched it. I know yeah. John def- uh, didn't enjoy it as much, and I I agree. He has a lot of like things he felt like a lot of the execution was done kind of poorly. Um, which then, like, when you get to the bigger moments, if you weren't into it, that is a bit of a letdown. Because I, I mean, what happens at the end of this episode with, with that information being released is yeah. like that could have been a season finale, such a big moment. Yeah. So for for that to like possibly happen on an episode where maybe not everything lands, um, that's just going to only make that moment like a little less poignant. I think. Yeah. For some people, and I think, and I did have one thought I didn't say about it, but you know, this is a show that, especially since they left Westworld itself, has. Is, is very self-serious. It's not a very, like, comedic show. So yes. for them to do something, like, fun and stylish, it also, like, just doesn't necessarily, like, fit the narrative as well. Mm-hmm. Very, like, yep. you know, this is something that would have worked better if we were at the park. Yeah. Uh, so I think I could see people it not landing like that for people. But um, I enjoyed it a lot more the second time I watched it. And uh, it was cool to see the genre. I'm glad they tried it. Yeah. <laughs> so... But uh, man, am I excited for the last three episodes? Yes, because uh, wh- where are we gonna go? What's gonna happen? I have no idea. And and yeah. I gotta tell you, if if you haven't, uh, if you are still reading things on the internet, honestly, like 
having given up all like I've I've checked out completely on like Twitter mm-hmm. like everything I don't read anything it's so fun to only have like my own thoughts and like the couple people I discuss the show with right because I'm surprised every episode in a way I was not before yeah because there's so many spoilers that then people take and rewrite as their own theories now yes that like if I read anything from a random person the odds are there's a it's like it's actually just a spoiler and they it's le- not... leaked it from somewhere or yeah something I totally agree so I totally agree. um you know that's that's it, Omar. Uh, where can people? Well, what it, tell tell people what they need to know about you because you you do <laughs> like a lot of things since the last time you were on Ozad High's podcast. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, that's such a good point. I if you if you turn on your TVs, I'm on TBD Bytes, um, which uh, check your local listings for that uh, to see what channel you get TBD on, and I get to talk about funny videos on the internet, which is a whole big old blast. I'm also doing something right now while we're all kind of, you know, sheltering in place that we can do together, which is called My Digital Shelf. My buddy Saber Perzada uh, kicked it off and he had this idea where it was like, if we're all stuck in different places, why don't we share things? Why don't we share recommendations for things? And so I'm heading sort of a movie club where we watch three movies a week. Each of them have a theme. This week's theme is, did I dream that? And it's movies Ooh. from our childhood. And they're all, uh, this is a little sneak preview, but they're all uh, from one specific creative collection. Okay. But it's childhood movies that were like, that couldn't have been real, right? And it was. And so um, <laughs> that's what's going on with that. And if you want to follow me to see what those movie recommendations are or just clips from TBD stuff, you can head over to Omar Najam on Twitter, Omar Najam Film on Instagram, or if you want to see what I'm listening to on Spotify, you can find me there. Omar has fun. And that's pretty much it. If you happen to have El Rey Nation on your cable package or you want to rent it on Prime, I am a co-host on that show as well with Kelly Nugent, uh, who is in the Zyheis family. So you can check that out. And we'll have an episode of Thank You for Questing Up uh, later this week as well. Yeah. So you heard it here first, folks. That is That <laughs> was the most fun surprise to see when I went on Instagram. And I saw that post. I was like, get out. Here. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. You're going to love it. It's a, it's such a zany little thing that we're doing. It's so silly and the stakes are so low. So <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, you can find me at Christian underscore Humes. I am on the ultimate fictional character podcast with Massavedo. We have uh, the unranked podcast for video games. And of course, Watch World. Hashtag Watch World. Um, Yeah, that's it. We'll see you guys next time.